And a happy Tuesday to you folks. Top of the morning to you. Do you ever notice that we are pros at reacting to the things in life that are thrown at us? How there's never-ending lists of things to do. We skip lunches, work at our desks, sacrifice sleep, all in the name of what? To what end? Why do we do this? Well, folks, what if we kind of reversed it a little bit? What if grace and gratitude came first? What if we had grace when dealing with uncertainty? What if we had gratitude before we were ever stressed? What if we were hopeful when dealing with loss? Love before judged and loving before being judged. It just seems everywhere you go, people are writing and reading and talking about grace and gratitude. So the solution is simple. Lead with grace. Lead with gratitude and it will emanate into your world and others like you would never even imagine. Folks, let's get this Tuesday started. All right. It's time to play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. Is this on? Welcome to the Crude Life Morning Show. It works better when you turn your microphones on here on this lovely Tuesday morning here, folks. Welcome to the Play Hard, Work Hard Morning Show. And since it's Play Hard, I'm not even going to edit that out and start over because let's just keep moving on. Go man. It's natural. Live. Anything live. It was meant to be. It was meant to be. It was planned. We meant to mess up out of the gate to get your attention, folks. I tripped on purpose. Some people say sex. Now that I got your attention, <laughs> it's a you little know, early, man. Come when, on, I need more coffee first. When we ran for, uh, when we, when I ran we, for student body, uh, student body, student council, it wasn't student body. You president. just wanted to be the student body. Student body council, it was student council. Fascist. There was a few of us that ran, and we did signs that had nothing to do with what we were saying. So, like. <laughs> I would draw draw a picture of a tree, uh-huh. vote for Spies, put that up there. And then a friend of mine would just, he was really good at drawing the Rolling Stone lips. Mm-hmm. Oh. So he'd just draw that, vote for Trevor. See, and then, did he win? We would just draw things that we were good at. I drew a, a triangle of cheese, the Swiss cheese, because I could draw that, right? Another guy drew kind of a... Trying to lock down that key cheese demographic there. Kind of a five-year-old good dinosaur. <laughs> you know, just... See, I'd should, like to see. I should have did the hand poli- turkey. Oh, we should see more political posters like that. Man. I'm telling you, that would work. That would be awesome. Well, they they kind of do that in a reverse way. They do it with fear now. Yeah, it's, it is. It's it scares you. And with that, folks, we welcome you to the Play Hard, Work Hard Morning Show. That is Sterling. My name is Jason Spees. Today's program is a fabulous, fantastic, bodacious, bodabacious. Show. It's got a lot to follow up of. Yesterday was a crazy show. Man, we Manic. were packed yesterday. Yeah. It was a, a very um, energetic. It, it, there, was, there was a lot of uh, elected leadership mm-hmm. yesterday. Yeah, there was actual real newsmakers. Well, that was good to see. You know, I mean, during a crisis, you, you like to see your leaders come out mm-hmm. and at least say something. Yeah. At least something. Whether, whether it's right or wrong, at least it's something. <laughs> That's how I always look at it. I mean, at, at least, like with Trump, better or worse, at least he said something. He always had something to say. Right, that's and that's what sure. real yeah. leaders do. Now, is it good leadership? Well, that's to be determined later. <laughs> we got the professors to determine that later. They, you know. Now I want a Donald Trump magic eight ball. 
That would be awesome. That would be unbelievable. That would be, it would have to have a million different sayings, but it'd be awesome. You'd shake it. Yeah. One, one of them would be, check my Twitter account. Yeah. <laughs> Twitter, whatever. Twitter. <laughs> Watch Shit's Creek over the weekend again. Okay, Tom Shepstone is our newsmaker interview. Our newsmaker interview, Tom Shepstone. He's with Natural Gas Now. He runs a publication, Natural Gas Now, and based on the grid and EGOT and ERGOT. And are we in Tony season yet? Are we EGOTing? Oh, no? Geez. ERGOT. ERGOT, yeah. Okay, so. Yeah, I keep thinking EBCOT, so I'm, I'm clearly oh, so in, you're, I'm in Disney World right so now. So you're down in Disney World. I'm in 30 Rock <laughs> Plaza. Is anybody actually monitoring the grid? No. Nobody is. No, clearly no one was. They were watching 30 yeah. Rock and partying down at EBCOT. <laughs> But I figured he might be a good kind of a sterile, neutral person out of the, you know, he's, he's up in the Marcellus, actually. Okay. So he, you know, Cabot Oil, fourth largest natural, he covers them extensively. Mm-hmm. And so he's very familiar with the different nuances of natural gas, especially when it comes to these prices. Oh, yeah. And the gouging stuff. And going this on. gouging stuff. Listen, folks. Any, this is why, actually, in my opinion, why the government's there. There's no way the government's going to allow anyone to pay an $1,800 gas bill. No way. No. And if that happens, then the government failed in every which way about it. Don't, I, I'm not blaming the capitalists here. I'm blaming the government that set, set up the regulations, the policies, the system, the grid, et cetera, that allowed no bells and whistles to go off when somebody's energy bill surpassed 200%. That should be basic, a no-brainer, right? I mean, that's the fundamental of government should be to help make sure you're not getting screwed over. I just got a text from a friend of mine down in Florida, okay? She's in Florida right now, and she lives in Minnetonka, Minnesota, okay. all right? That's the rich suburb area of oh, yeah. Minneapolis. Yeah, nice houses. She's down at her place in Florida. Sent me her doorbell camera of her neighbor shoveling her walk, okay, in real time, like literally within five minutes of her neighbor shoveling the walk, she got notified in Florida, sent to me in North Dakota saying, oh, this is extra salt in those wounds for him. She made some kind of, you know, snarky comment. It wasn't good fun or whatever, but... How is it not one person in leadership got a notification somebody got their energy bill a thousand times when I can get a notification that a girl that I happen to know is getting her door, her, her sidewalk shoveled? Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. One system works and one system clearly does not work. So the Freeform system apparently works no. fine. Well, you, you, know, you put some government regulation in, <laughs> it just screws it all up. You know... I totally get the idea that, hey, if there's a, it's a limited amount of gas and a lot of people want it, then it's a premium and the price is probably going to go up. But it doesn't help you in the long term if your customer base is dead Every because they froze. free agent that the Cowboys sign for the next three years is going to get compared to some dude's energy bill down in Texas. <laughs> That's how they'll start mar- mar- marking it. Every yeah. sports headline is that. Yeah. Every sports headline is about Jerry Jones's gas company. Oh, man. Well, is, is there no sports? Where's cricket? Where's rugby? <laughs> we, no, we are in that unfortunate lull between events. Yeah. True story. True story. When I was doing talk radio and sports, which I did for a long time, we had these two two-week windows, okay? And one was right after the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. where nobody t- 
talked about the Pro Bowl. Yeah, did anybody care? And even they put the Pro Bowl in between the Super Bowl for a while because nobody cared. They were nobody, trying to make us And care. they knew nobody from the Super yeah. Bowl was going to show nope. up anyways. Yeah. So it was a weird time. So we would just start doing bizarre topics just to get the phone lines yeah. going. And I, I, that's what I would say. I, I would be like, you know what? I just want to see if anybody cares about a topic, not football. Well, so, you got to dig for news then. Yeah, then, but I would do, try to do the debates. So I'd say, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do a ridiculous topic today, but I believe in it wholeheartedly. All right, let's get the so, juices flowing. And the one I used to always do, which is a really good one, actually. So try this at a dinner party sometime. And I'm sorry, folks, if you don't know who these baseball players the last are. last went to a dinner party? So in, in all honesty, in, in my personal opinion, the greatest baseball player of all time is Babe Ruth. Very easy, okay? The Bambino. He was one of the greatest offensive players and one of the greatest pitchers. So he also pitched. I didn't realize And that. people forget that. Yeah. But so the fact that he played on both sides and excelled, mm-hmm. it's, it, there's no question. It's kind of like in basketball, okay? Wilt Chamberlain was the best ever until they allowed other people in the league. That could be <laughs> that could be seven feet tall, right? And they put a three point line in, and they changed the rules of the game, and then it's Michael Jordan. Hands That's down. a whole other discussion. Except if you want to bleed in Magic Johnson. Now, Magic Johnson is a great argument because of he changed the point guard, and mm-hmm. is he's got great stats and yada yada. But the baseball one, Ricky Henderson is the greatest baseball player of all time. Never heard of him. Really? Never. Has the most leadoff home runs. He's a, yeah, gold gloves, all these different things. What anyway, for? So, uh, oh, a thousand, a thousand teams. teams. I think he's still playing today in his really? 60s in like some <laughs> league in New Jersey. Seriously, the guy the played into like his 40s and 50s. Wow. Oh, yeah, he just kept playing. But he was just, he, Ricky Henderson talked in the third person. Oh, yeah. And, and when he. Ricky's going to hit that ball. He actually said, today I'm the greatest of all time. Like, he, he's delivered some of the greatest sports quotes, and he's just. He's, he was Sounds Deon, like he should be a wrestler. He was Deion Sanders, and he was a wrestler, and he was everybody Before wrapped into that. one. But he was damn good. Yeah. Well, oh, you yeah. got to build anyway. back it up, too, right? So, what else do we got going on here today, by the way? We're going to talk about some social media because. That's the type of fodder, uh, Ricky Henderson, Magic Johnson nonsense that people like to debate about on social media. But they use real issues like the Texas grid and climate change and and no uh, shortage. coal, coal, go code. That's my favorite. That's coal your- miners, go code from the 90s. <laughs> from the, you yeah, brought I do that remember up. that one, yep. So funny. Yep. Well, that's what Biden and uh, a lot of the, uh, John Kerry are saying now. Go build solar panels. Go build windmills. Right. So it's, you know, trying to redirect somebody like that just on a knee jerk is kind of interesting. So the social media loves doing that. So I'm speaking tonight. I'm taking off right after this show. Yeah, to, you better beat the storm, man. I know. It's supposed to <laughs> it rain last night, yeah. and now it froze. And now we're supposed to get a couple inches of snow. Now we're supposed to get a there. nice dusting of powder yeah. over that ice rink I'm Just supposed Winter's to drive on saying, for five hours. Yeah. Have fun, man. Luckily, it's the straightest road in America, according to Maxim Magazine. <laughs> Back in the back when Maxim was a thing, they did like what each state is noted for, and I'll never forget North Dakota, the straightest road ever. And I thought, you know, you can fall asleep and wake up, and you won't get an accident. No, there's there's parts of Kansas like that too. But I was debating what to speak about tonight because you know I thought about doing the play hard, work hard morning show. I thought about a few other things and the importance of the grid and. You know? Seems like that's uh, pretty you know, prevalent in people's minds right now. But then I started thinking about what I was speaking about four years ago. 
three years ago, four years ago, and it's still very relevant today. All I got to do is take out the word Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren because what I was speaking about was before AOC. I was speaking about this before AOC. B-A-O-C. Okay? And it's more than relevant. In fact, it's more advanced than what a lot of the leaders are talking about today still. All right, lay it on me. Well, just, just trying to explain to the industry that it's a different ball game now. Mm-hmm. And the old ways of doing oil and gas business is not only not connecting, you've got presidential candidates trying to ban the industry. This is four years ago I was talking about this, yeah. okay? Well, today you got a president flat out trying to ban the industry, okay? Yet everybody's still golfing and having fun. They're still going out and having their fundraisers, you know, not even fundraisers anymore. They're just having parties. Right. So, okay. Well, yeah. if the industry doesn't care that much, I don't even know if I feel like talking about that tonight. It's hard to, to summon up the energy, you know, when there's not a lot of energy out there, which just baffles me. It almost feels like they're just they're reeling. You know? The industrial forest, we got the city of Bismarck. Yeah, why don't you be talking about that? Now the state that? of North Dakota is going to come in on board on it. Nice. We got all these different organizations. I got kids now wanting on board on this. See, it's perfect Yet thing, industry's man. still yeah. industry's still kicking it down the road. Yeah. This industrial forest just might not be an industrial forest. Well, you know, one of the problems with uh, with corporate America is it's always easier to just say no than try something new. That's a safer thing is to just say no. But that's know? what I'm trying to explain it to them is that that's not the safe thing anymore. No. That's what's going to put you out of business. But then again, if they get bailed out, who cares? Well, and that's the worry. Especially is if it's, it's my tax dollars. Yeah, if you just get into this cycle where you go, okay, we got to deal with some regulation for four years and then it'll be deregulated for four years and then we'll get tax and subsidies. I mean, what do they care? We're also putting together a jargon page. I thought about talking about that. Like an urban dictionary type of thing? Well, it's going to be the crude life dictionary. Okay. Um, for example. <laughs> no. Oh, no. I started making a list, and the list started. I'm checking it twice. There are a few pages here, nope, don't yep. you? He's got a lot of, be better kind of a I... mad scientist Now, think about if this was the studio. list, how much better that would have been. <laughs> so... That's your enemy's list, isn't well, it? Okay, or for example, uh, climate activists. Okay. Right. You've been I believe talking about the terms. Jargon, yeah, terms. FAQ, maybe. Right. Climate activist. You know, I thought about maybe talking to the uh, API Dickinson about how we're going to grab the narrative back with the crude life. Mm-hmm. And if you'd like to be a part of the narrative, we invite you to be a part of the narrative. If you want to react, then keep reacting. Yeah. But we're going to try something different. We're going to go to what used to work because the other stuff isn't working. So... We no longer are allowing the word environmentalist on our program anymore because that's not a correct term, okay? Well, it's such a blanket term. Right. So if they are actually doing environmental things, which a lot of oil and gas companies are doing, which a lot of people are doing, which a lot of regular companies are doing, well, then we'll apply it there. Is there any oil and gas company operating in North America that is not involved in environmentalism on a high level not that every know, day? Not that I know about. I mean, every day they've got to be involved in that. You say the word every day? That's a, that we, we did this a year ago right before covid Everyday energy, okay? It was like November, two Novembers ago. And then COVID hit and other things happened and, you know, you had to reprioritize and everything. And we, instead of all of the above, because that's not working. Mm-hmm. It's connecting on some levels, but not all. And that's the other thing is like, 
It's not sexy enough, even though it's the right. most practical thing. So everyday energy, I liked reliable energy instead of renewable energy. That makes sense. Yeah. That's more of the direction So rather than all the above. Because if it worked at one time, it's run its course onto the next. Um, it's kind of like you sound old now when you say that. You know what I mean? And the, and the young kids, they kind of roll their eyes as soon as you determine they determine you're old dude with a teenager we both have teenagers terms yeah. change so fast i can't keep up right so yeah. why why fight it so just roll with and it and even what they think of what a term environmentalist means is totally different than when you and i did frackleberry hound wanted to talk about frackleberry hound because oh. again i get more emails about frackleberry hound she's awesome. and people that come up she and we're talking about Play about right. She knows. She knows her name. Oh, yeah. She knows what's going on. <laughs> oh, she's such a sweetheart. But to talk about that, about how the name Frackleberry Hound is the first time that I've seen anybody smile or laugh with the word frack. Yeah. Well, and that's that's what I really loved about the name for her is it's reappropriating that. It's like when I was joking about freedom juicing. It totally. Isn't, you know, as absurd that. as that sounds, it's it's the idea that. You know, and there's so much in a name, you know, and you say frack. Now, where I heard frack was from a TV show because they use that instead of the other F word. And I thought that was pretty cool. The only place I, I thought frack would be um, really cool is in professional wrestling, like the frack attack. Oh, man. Yeah. Like yeah. it'd be a great finishing maneuver, something like that. Or it sounds like the type of shake you can order at the Shake Shack, you know, I want the frack stack. Totally. If they, maybe they would figure out a way to incorporate Fast and the Furious, and oh. that's what I mean. It has it has a very um, high octane, high mm-hmm. testosterone name to it. Yep. And because of that, it's aggressive, and we're we're not in an aggressive society. We're in a Me Too society, man. Well, and it it it's almost too honest about what it is. When you think of frack, you think of something breaking up, like it's fracturing, that, right? Because that's what it is. Because that's what it is. It, the industry is very technical. Yeah. Well, and, they have to be. I mean, two plus two has to equal four, no matter what your ideology is. I think you had to be. Yeah. I mean, no, but here's the here's the irony about what you just said. If consensus science says two plus two is five. Mm-hmm. Today's leaders will be okay with that. Right. As long as there's Go a study, the as long as there's a consensus <laughs> science to show it, yeah. they'll be okay with two plus two is five. Well, what the heck do you think they're doing in Washington right now? Well, yeah, I mean, and that's the two plus two is five. That's, that's across the board. You people just, you, the media says things over and over again. We start to believe them. Well, totally. The example I used to give all the time was when they would call a table an enhanced chair. Yeah. Uh, it's not really a table. We call that an enhanced chair. Now, it's not really lying because the word enhanced says it's not really a chair, but the word chair puts your mind to believe it's a chair, even though it's a table. <laughs> it's, that, it's that sort of mind fuck that they always do with yeah. you. Absolutely. I've noticed since we've had the internet, you know, that people's vocabularies have expanded, you know, because they've been able to research new things and stuff like that. But there's all these new words that don't really mean anything. I just swore. Yeah, I heard you. I dropped a big F-bomb oh, yeah. there. I should probably take a break because I got worked <laughs> up. I didn't even realize that. I mean, I'm... He's got his coffee, folks. He's a little, well, a little it's revved just up. Well, that, that word, you know, MF, yeah. mind, it, it, it wasn't meant derogatory. No. It, it was meant to actually, I believe, isn't that the psychological term, actually, the clinical psychological <laughs> term? I think so, <laughs> yeah. I think it's when you get into a narcissistic relationship so much where you're so emotionally abused 
That's just your daily repertoire yeah, is it, that sort of MF. And when yeah. you've got to look up a term to see if you were insulted or not. <laughs> Folks, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about some social media. we got news, rumors, and news speak coming up. And i got to go wash my mouth out with soap because I was raised Catholic. Boy. I was an altar boy. And that one just kind of slipped out. Thank goodness we're playing hard here on a Tuesday. I feel all right. Well, I'm doing okay. I'm here for the moment, you know, and then I'm on my way. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard. It's sponsored in part by... If you have natural gas leases and are looking to sell them, Swan Energy wants to talk to you today. Give them a call at 866-539-0860. That's 866-539-0860. Swan Energy is buying up natural gas leases, and they may buy yours too. Give them a call today. The Industrial Forest. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. Morning show. My name is Jason Space. That is Sterling. We are in segment number two on a Tuesday, Taco Tuesday. Remember when LeBron oh. James tried to trademark Taco Tuesday? Yeah. Only to find out it's been kind of our part of our lexicon. It's sort of a heritage thing. And know? somebody trademarked it like back in the eighties. Really? Yeah. I can't remember what the story was, but I remember that. Uh, well, you and I have both worked in the food industry, yep. and I can tell you every place I've ever worked had a Taco Tuesday or variation of. And man, weenie Wednesday, a buck for a taco, you'd get some people out there slap down a thirty, you know, twenty dollar bills, and boom, thirsty Thursday, fish fry Friday, fish fry Friday, steak Saturday, yeah, and then steak the inevitable Sunday morning breakfast buffet, and the Sunday brunch came in and just ruined the whole alliteration. No, we made a lot of Bloody Marys then. <laughs> Sunday Bloody Marys—that's more hair of the dog, sacrilegious, but okay. Let's get it was to after church. A little too much blasphemy for this Catholic <laughs> on a Monday, Tuesday morning here. Geez, I already forgot what day it was. So Tuesday. I got hungry thinking about all those tacos. Yeah, you're thinking about tacos, man. Well, oh, enchilada. Yeah. Okay. Maybe you can get something before you get on the road. So I understand we're going to talk a little bit about social media is what I see on the whiteboard written on segment number two. And since Sterling, you're in charge of this segment, uh, let's take a look at what we got today. (laughs) 
Well, you know, social media is always something interesting to talk about, and usually uh, it goes hand in hand with cancer, a uh, cancel culture. So this is uh, cancer. from cancer culture. Yeah, this is uh, from Fox News. This is a headline reads: Texas mayor quits after saying residents are lazy amid outages. Now it's a couple days old, and mm-hmm. most people have probably heard a little bit about this, but. A Texas mayor has resigned over controversial social media posts that called his constituents lazy for complaining about power outages, according to a report. Colorado City Mayor Tim Board, Tim Boyd in Texas. That's in the Permian, by the way. That is in the Permian. Yeah. Announced his regis- regis- uh, resignation Tuesday, hours after he received backlash for his long Facebook rant. So I'm glad that this is the news story that we're using because it, it shows the power of the media. Okay. Now he didn't get fired. He apparently he, he did it himself. Apparently he posted this after he had decided to resign, but there's some speculation the board in, in the, in the city hadn't, they didn't know he was resigning or it came out. Right. But what social media seems to be doing from my perspective in, in, in this is it seems to be really accelerating things oh, it's, it's, it's an accelerant you yeah. know it's a, f- a fuel and well and this is that perfect type of fuel for a, a social media fire story mm-hmm. you know it's it's people dealing with uh you know crazy circumstances it's somebody who comes across as unfeeling who's an elected position you know yeah so and that's pretty heartless man he was um doing some sort of comment what was the comment he made i guess I, I saw lengthy. the headlines on yeah. it but and i saw it was a lot of it was social media related yeah, one of the things, you know, I mean, it's a pretty lengthy comment, uh, and it, oh. it, there's some problems with it, but it, basically what he says is, uh, the first part is, if you have no water, you deal with you deal without and think outside the box to survive and supply water to your family, he added. If you were sitting at home in the cold because you have no power and are sitting there waiting for someone to come rescue you because you are lazy, that's a direct result of your raising, I guess, from your up, up, upraising. A little preachy, huh? little preachy little there. Preachy. You know, I mean, my biggest problem with this, judgmental. other than being pretty heartless, is the fact that you know we do pay for water, we do pay for electricity, we do pay for those utilities. Uh, and so when they're out, we have a legitimate yeah. complaint. Boy, I tell you what, this is, um, this is another example of how social media is truly changing our culture. And, you know, here's, here's something where... They always say you should sleep on it, right? You should always sleep on it. Yeah, and that Never was just angry man. And, and that was just sending a letter to the editor. Yeah. Okay, that wasn't that wasn't hitting post. That wasn't you know having a few too many cocktails and buying some Amazon late night shopping. Okay, <laughs> it's not what do they call it? Drunk shopping. Well, I was just gonna say, remember drunk <laughs> drunk calling, right? Drunk dialing from back in the day. Now everybody can do that at any time of the day, and it doesn't. You don't have to be drunk, right. and, and you'd be perfectly sober. Yeah, exactly. So. It's it's so I mentioned before that I think there's going to be a big change coming in the social media. Last Friday had another had another meeting, a lunch meeting about social media. Okay, it was with an ad agency, and they're talking about their companies, their representative putting together new social media policies. What kind? How are they? How did? How are they dealing with you know what's called big tech? He was uh, getting my opinion on a number of different things, and you know honestly, we talked about the WWE because they're actually already putting new policies in. 
So they're on the forefront once again with their corporate entity, and they're actually administering social media policies right now as we speak. I would imagine from a liability point of view, they've, they've got to be the ones at the front of this type of stuff. It's an interesting segment that's happening, and, and what's going to end up is defection because it's already happening in WWE. They're going to new areas because people are, well, they're, they're weighing their salary and their identity because now when you go and work for the corporation, they're essentially taking over your identity too mm -hmm. because anything that you post on your social media is now a reflection of the company, okay? Yep. And now that you work from home, it's even more accepted, like, as soon as they started working from home, this ushered in a whole new segment of, of corporate oversight. Well, yeah, when sweatpants became business casual. <laughs> <laughs> but on the flip side, so like, you know, since it's the WWE we're talking about, because honestly, what they're doing is they're, they're putting social media policy in where people can't use it mm -hmm. because they're making money off of their character. Well, the only reason they're making money off their character is because of the company. Well, some of them say, well, I had this gimmick before I met you at WWE. That's got to be a tough one, is it? Right. Who, who owns the persona? Take Major League Baseball. Mm -hmm. They're going to be next. Football is going to be next. It's, it's the uh, uh, athletes and the Hollywood celebrities and et cetera, the ones who can make money on their personal brand. It's a brand. Okay. Yeah, it's a branding thing, definitely. Now, when you try to, and this is what the ad agency and I were talking about, is that when you translate that to business, everybody thinks they're an influencer. <laughs> they're a middle manager. Yeah. You're a, you're a sales rep. You're, you're a, so what does what Smithers call Homer Simpson? You're a se oh, sector donor 7G. From 7G. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's what we all are, man. <laughs> well, I'm not Rob Lowe. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, as hard as I try, as much as I dress like You've him. You've got his uh, As much uh, as I jawline. imitate him or whatever. Oh, yeah. thank The chiseled you. jawline. I have his blemishes, yeah. but that's about it. <laughs> You're human. <laughs> but do you see what I mean? To where now, because now companies, the CEOs and presidents, because they had to actually go online now. So they're starting to notice other people's social media habits, and they're like, whoa, this dude's got a whole YouTube channel on my dime. Well, and nothing is necessarily do you see, secret. Do you oh, see yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah absolutely. But because there's people that have, have found a way to, to leverage that and monetize it separately. Right? Oh, he posted that 14 hours ago. That's during the work time. Yeah. On my, I mean, that's, yeah. th if you're a business owner and you're paying for someone's salary, that's the way your mind works. They see, the, the average person doesn't think like that, well, especially, especially the generation that gets paid to follow their bliss. Yeah. I mean, I, I grew up working in a lot of office jobs with early technology where even back then they would do keystroke monitoring. They would know exactly how many times you touched your keyboard and where you were and what you were doing with it. So, you know, that was before with, MySpace, Facebook, wow. any of that stuff. This was just data entry jobs, but that was how they monitored you from the time you punched in on your computer to the time you punched out. Everything was monitored. Nowadays, I would not be shocked if, if they're using the cameras. Make sure you're actually at your desk and doing your thing. So, you know, we've got all this awesome Makes technology. Me miss my video store <laughs> days where I just put in a movie and watch that during the downtime. You want to, you know, on. We talk about social media as a sort of abstract, it's a leprechaun right? Eight. Put it in. <laughs> Never seen it. All right. But when you when you think of social media, you're probably thinking of what people are saying, not necessarily news, right? And I'm throwing up air quotes there. No, okay. So what 
where I see social media becoming extremely dangerous is the fan end of the fuel of the flames. Yeah. Okay, so the the story we had yesterday about Bill Gates, right? So you got Bill Gates giving his two cents on how Texas should be run. Right. All right. Now this is nothing against Bill Gates. This is nothing against Texas. This is just the straight old flat journalism of what in tarnation is any reporter talking to Bill Gates about anything to do with a crisis happening in Texas, okay? Now, as soon as they allowed that in the media, that opened the floodgates for the social media-ites, the the, the idol worshipers of the influencers out there, if you will, of the Bill Gates people to now use Bill Gates as their source. Yes. They cite Bill Gates as their source for how Texas should be run. Yeah, it becomes you see like what a, I mean? yeah. Well, become it's 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 always been sort of this weird symbiotic relationship, but it's even worse now because you're right. It's they could have asked you, Jason, what do you think about what's going down in Texas with the power grid and the distribution, and you would have had just as a, much of a relevant, if not more, response I would have, I would have than Bill more. Gates, but clicks right. So here, right here's the difference. That's a great example. Bill Gates. Every day he's been in my news, and Elon Musk, every day yeah. on my Yahoo homepage, yeah. okay? And, and MSN, it's terrible, okay? I, I, I have to uh, pull up Bing for some website, right? Because I use of, Ask Jeeves. Because of cookies? Mm-hmm. Okay, so no, I, no, whatever the, not Bing, but uh, what is it, Edge? You're talking about the... Uh, Microsoft, whatever it is. Edge, okay, right? Yeah. Is that what Chrome. it is? No, it's not Chrome. Okay, Edge. It's the third one. Okay. Not Pavarotti, not Domingo, the third one. Well, I, I use Firefox. Yeah, that's what I use. Okay. So, yeah. I, I don't use Google Chrome because I, I'm kind of worried about the CIA. It just annoys me. There's just too much conspiracy stuff behind that. And <laughs> Honestly, it's just do, you, annoys do you think me. you've got that much interesting stuff for the CIA to go I'm through? I'm just joking. And it'd be boring if they were going through my life. So whatever the blue circle of Microsoft is. that's So, so anyway, I, I pull that up. <laughs> MSN's awful. Every day, half of it is Bill Gates news. Yeah, yeah. Ha- I mean, honestly. Yep. It's Bill Gates' schedule next week. Click on here. I mean, it's just yeah. it's Elon Musk had a great BM this morning. So, you know? but getting back Markets to change. getting back to the Jason Spees versus Bill Gates ridiculous comparison, I think I actually would have more because I've actually interviewed people that have been in Texas experiencing this firsthand. So I can, as a reporter, say. Well, I interviewed Vicki Leach, and she had to put a call out on social media because of her generator, and there's a great example of how social media saved her, yeah. okay? Back when we were first experimenting in the floods back in 2009, we were the ones that set up the social media account in Fargo for FirstLink, okay? We were experimenting on some certain things, not on purpose, just because of timing. Mm-hmm. Well, we tracked it to where one house... In Woodcrest, North Fargo, wow. we got 72 volunteers there, and the only place we had it was on the Facebook page mm-hmm. for this flood thing, right? And that was for getting people there for sandbagging, right? That and was stuff for like sandbaggers right? yeah. and things. That's yeah. when we, that's when we all realized, like, ooh, social media has got power. <laughs> well, yeah, you yeah. see the power of it, absolutely. Yeah, before we just saw it through MySpace mm-hmm. because of how the musicians were integrating it in, because yep. it did. It was, in fact, I still think MySpace is around for musicians because they have. Yeah, it's been revamped. Yeah, yeah. because because the musicians mm-hmm. they they figured out a way early to make money on it. Good for them. Yeah, absolutely. Good for them. It scares 
me, last time I went there was all pot leaves and AK-47s, and yeah. it scared me. Yeah, it did. I was, I was frightened. It was very aggressive. Yeah. It was very aggressive. There was lots of weird smiley faces and heart animations, too. It was, yeah, it was disconcerting. Well, you got lucky. You got I, on a good, <laughs> I give the good one to different pages, page. man. I got on the really weird you page. Know, what what scares me, and I know we've talked about that, is 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 not only what news we get, but what news is allowed through the pipes, right? And uh, I don't know if you've been following this, but Facebook has been going back and forth with Australia about news, right? Because Australia apparently has a proposed law that would require the social media giant, Facebook, to pay publishers for any of the news that is on their site. Okay, I think Europe is doing that. This too. is this is Australia. From what I've been able to read, is sort of the test case. Yeah, no, and, but Europe is looking at it. There, no, like Denmark or Sweden. What was the what was the uh, South Park episode where they was it Denmark <sighs> or Sweden? It's that country. I think it was Denmark. It, I think it's Denmark. I, yeah, too. I'm not 100 percent sure. So this would um, basically. Facebook says, assuming this draft code becomes law, we will reluctantly stop allowing publishers and people in Australia from sharing local and international news on Facebook and Instagram. Wow. So, so here's Wednesday, here's they pulled the trigger. They did it. Can they? Yeah, I know. I saw it. I went through yeah. it. That's great. I think it's outstanding. Well, so, I mean, I'm just wondering, you know, what you think, because I know what I you're think, a big believer in freedom of speech. Of course. Um, when I found out they pulled Parler, I, I, yeah, that really upset you. I, it really upset me. Yeah. And I was not on Parler, but I did get about a thousand requests to join it. I just, mm-hmm. there's, I got too many things. Again, I'm trying to reduce things in my yeah, life, not exactly. add things. And so when I found out that they took out Parler, I went, Ooh, boy, now we're getting serious because, I didn't know that Parler was anything subversive. Right, yeah. I just figured yeah. it was it was just a new Facebook. And like a, any a technology, Twitter, it's new, how it's used. But if if it's a social media platform, how I mean, what could you possibly do as a social media platform to get banned? I understand if you're going to ban somebody's page because he's putting actual snuff films on there, mm-hmm. having murderous sex with children, okay? I get that. We don't want that, all right? Mm-hmm. But if some dude's standing on his literal soapbox, what do I care? Who's not going to watch it? Well, I mean, I guess from the libertarian point of view, it'd be like, why do you want to ban the animal porn and all that other stuff, too? That's freedom of expression. There, I, but any libertarian will say... Um, that we want roads built. Yeah. We do not want to yell fire in a crowded yeah. theater. And we do not want marriage to uh, non-humans to be the status That's quo. That's the point, isn't it? Is, is, is there's a lot of common sense involved in that? There are, there are just certain non-biological lines mm-hmm. that are so obvious that those people who question them are probably should be questioned themselves. Right. Okay. Like I'm not, like I said, the snuff, the snuff stuff, 
People died. Yeah. People got murdered in those films. Okay. That's why I brought up that example. Okay. Oh, and I totally agree with you. Yeah, I'm that's what I'm saying. Not on the side of that stuff being no. able to be out there, but yeah, no. I, I mean, that, I think it was a real interesting uh, moment because it it sort of shines the light on the fact that our freedom of speech is actually through a third party entity that has no obligation to us, really. When I when I take no a, shoot when I take a look at the esoteric energy approach to this, uh-huh. they banned the president of the United States, and and they they just told how many people voted for Trump. They think about 75 million. Okay, so let's say half of them. Okay. Yeah. You just told 35 million people your voice doesn't matter. Right. You're now hate speech. That's what they did. That's what, that's what, whoever controlled that DNSN or LSN or whatever the, the land area network is that they have, right? Because that's where they did it, right? At the source. As I understand it, Amazon was the one hosting all of their services. That's what I heard too, but then somebody said it wasn't them. And so yeah, we, I'm sure it wasn't. I mean, it was probably a subsidiary yeah, of Amazon. Subsidiary, yeah, but I heard right. the business it's daddy was... wigs, you know, it's that. Yeah, that the business daddy was Halliburton. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> They're <laughs> still out owned. there. They're out there lurking in the shadows, man. Because <laughs> they, they own everything. But no, I forgot our audience. Half of them just had a heart attack right now. <laughs> Folks, that was a 30 Rock joke. See, what, what bothers me, though, about this stuff, and, and you're right, it looks like France is looking into it. The EU and Canada are also following the development because the whole idea behind these types of legislation would be to, to try to protect traditional uh, news outlets, which are getting hammered by sites like Google and Facebook that post their stuff, but they make the marketing dollars. The av- And, the, you know, I don't know about you, but and I know you don't read a lot of online news, but a lot more of the news sources I like to frequent across the spectrum are starting to put up paywalls. They are. Yeah. The traditional ones mm-hmm. are without a doubt. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that too, and that's annoying to Even me. Even the sort of non-traditional ones, you know, where well, you'll get... I get that. Uh, yeah, I mean, but I mean, still, it's like you're getting to the point where, on the other hand, you've got plenty of conspiracy theory or what you'd call fake news sites, no paywall. So it's easy access, right. man. Well, it's, it's free fries. It's because they're regurgitating and, and reacting to information. They're not producing anything original. Their but original stuff is nothing more than a reaction. When you think about what Facebook has done is they've essentially turned off the news flow into a country. Yeah. You know, um, that's big stuff. What I still do not get about the banning of the free speech and some of these social media accounts and everything... Why, why? Why just can't they hold them accountable for? Well, they do. I mean, in Europe, it seems like Google and Facebook are constantly getting slapped with you know billion dollar violations here and there for uh, monopolistic practices and the fees and stuff like that. They face a much more difficult challenge internationally than they do in the U.S. in terms of their freedom of movement. That's what I wonder: is is that going to change? Well, I look at it this way: that when I see the picture of somebody who made some disgusting hot dish and they post best hot dish ever. That's bold. Statement. That's fake news, baby. <laughs> Is that going to be taken down? Well, They obviously did not have my grandmother, Bessie's hot dish. Is that, is that where we're going? Where, you know, if, if I, if I make a, you know, nice steak on the grill, world's most mediocre steak. Yeah. Like, above average steak. Hey, that's brilliant, that's man. That's what I'm saying. You know like, what? Because right now, everybody is an influencer. Everybody's going for the, the brass ring. I think you need to shoot for the middle. Yep. That's that mediocre. That's that middle ground that people are missing. That's that, That's that. you know, above average chili I've talked about. You know, above you charge average. five bucks or oh, four man. bucks. Yeah. Nice low pro- price point. 
You say it's not world's best. We're just above average. <laughs> and that way people will always be satisfied. And then if anybody compliments it, man, that was really good. No, no. That was just above average. Did let's, none, not, let's not get too far out of, out of whack here. Honestly, I mean, come on. It's, it's, it's Goldilocks and the three bears, right? You don't want too hot. You don't want too cold. You just want right. just right, man. So I do think, though, that there is going to be some big social media changes coming. And I, I just don't know if it's going to come out of the corporate sector first. If it's going to come, probably the private sector, the small business, the family business will be the last to implement rules and changes. Mm-hmm. I do wonder if the government might. When you start having, you know, uh, government employees giving shout outs and testimonials and things like that, well, now what's the value there? How do you get those? Like, yeah. okay, if you're if you're Jimmy's Bakery, how, how how do you get that? Is there a rate card now that I can get from my congressman so I can get those those types of preferential treatments? You know, at the same time, it seems like we're living in kind of the golden age where Jimmy's Bakery has a chance of getting a much larger audience. You know, know? getting back to that parlor example, Jimmy's Bakery is a good example. So let's say you're Jimmy's Bakery and you sell sex cakes and your strip mall decides they don't allow that anymore. So they they, they kick you, they evict you. Evict you. That, that's what they did to Parlor, okay? Mm-hmm. Or let's say you're, you're Jimmy's Cakes, and every Tuesday night you allow the uh, Communist Party to meet there because you're closed after 9 o'clock, and they want to meet at 9 o'clock. Sure. Okay? You're and the landlord doesn't like that, and he kicks, you, he kicks your whole business out because of one night. Right. For three hours, you allow the, oh, this is better than dark day. Remember the Simpsons? <laughs> yeah. The, the guy from the Communist Party? He, he was out there recruiting before, what was it, Tomato Day or yeah. something like that? Yeah. And, oh, this is better than dark day. But even back then, we'd give those guys a voice. Yeah. So have we gotten that far backwards to where whatever parlor was, I mean, wasn't Rand Paul behind that or endorsed it? I mean... I know that there was a lot of politicians that were on it, you know, because it's, yeah. sort of, it's sort of like a protest against Twitter. But the way that they made it seem like it was Al Qaeda. Yeah. Well, dude, they took it off. Yeah. They, they said the whole thing is like hate speech. No, it went dark, done. man. Yeah, it was, it was done. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's, again, that's why I think it's, it's shining a light on who owns it. So if you were a parlor influencer, mm-hmm. it's just done. Just done. I don't have a ton of sympathy for influencers <laughs> in general, man. Oh, I don't. Either. We should do. We should do a whole segment. I'll, I'll pull up some news on on uh, time. In, uh, Instagram influencers have tried to get free stuff and gotten shut down. Yeah, well, there's there's that's such a scam going right now. In fact, like I I told you that one time when I was out at that dinner party and somebody asked if I was an energy influencer and the guy from the ad agency goes, no, he just gets shit done. Yeah, he just actually does things. He just does things. Yeah. Well, go look at what we did this last week. Yeah. Go take a look at what we did in the last week and take a look at what anyone else did. I don't even care if you're in the media or not. I would go toe-to-toe with anybody who was in the actual freaking newspaper world with yeah. what we did last week. I mean, what do we have? We had governors on. We had senators on. We had Texas local State reps. Representatives we had on. people calling out for generators. Yep. We had local constituents. We had, I mean, we had... We were right there, boots on the ground, man. Oh, and talking to the uh, the head of the rail. We had the governor giving us emails. Yep. We were all over it, man. Yeah. I mean, that's I, I don't pat myself on the back very much, but what we did in the last week for what little budget we have and what little time and everything else, 
we put out a lot. Well, so and good you, job. Man. You got a lot of people that wanted to talk about this, and you know the stuff that's that's gone down in Texas and Louisiana and everything because of this sort of cold snap. I think is like you said, like you said a week ago, it's a teachable moment. Uh, yeah, you know, and we've sort of we seem to have gotten past sort of the finger pointing stage into the sort of just what the hell happened stage. Actually, that's a great point because what influencers were doing last week on social media mm-hmm. was they were basically partying and finger pointing. Yeah. And what were we doing? Saying don't finger point and had on actual a guy given the percentage of the grid usage. Yeah. I mean, we're yeah. we're actually going into the nuts and bolts, boots on the ground stuff that matters that people need. Everyone else is just fanning the flames and, and having cocktails. Well, yeah, and exactly. I mean, everybody. Wow, that's just, I'm processing that right now. Sorry. Yeah. It's, that's, it's been one of those weeks. I, I saw it all across my Facebook feed because a lot of my Ramco brat friends live in Texas, you know, Houston yeah. area, Dallas area, and stuff like that. And, you know, uh, they were various level of struggling, you yeah. know, through it. But just sort of the, I don't know, the snarky that you would see from other people, you know, maybe people in California saying, Oh, now it's on you guys. And you know, what are you doing about it? Just versus the fires the year before, but what does it do, man? What does it do? I mean, honestly, does it make you, does it make you feel that much better to, to get a snark point in? I don't know. It doesn't for me, man. It's totally not filling. Well, you've seen the it's decoration trolling. We get here at the crude life. 90% (laughs) of it comes from people in the industry. So I'm just happy they care enough to email. It's our own kind that trolls us. So what do we know, man? That's the best kind of trolling. (laughs) Yeah. I've been looking for another rock story here for you or Elon Musk. Yeah. Well, we got to take a quick pause and we got news and we come back here, folks. This is the crude life morning show. Play hard, work hard. That is sterling. My name is Jason Spies. We'll see you in a few. Well, the circuit holds the power of the hour And the light switch turns your tongue sour There's no way to explain how the sky's that way It's the same reason the sky's blue When you believe in two And there's only you cuddle in With a blanket there's a Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. The Crude Life with Jason Speece. Thank you for joining the program today. If you want to look at America, you go to Permian and the Bakken, and, and that's what America should be, united as one. And that's exactly what we are. And, and then, you know, that's what I love about the oil and gas industry. One county in Kansas, one single county, produced 9% of the world's oil. That was oil that won World War One, As the British said from the floor of Parliament, the Allies floated to victory on a sea of oil. Works picked up here in the Permian Basin. Yeah, leadership really needs to take a look at how we've been doing things and constantly make changes in how we can do things better. 
commodities are always, 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 any commodity business, whether it's milk or whether it's oil or whether it's apples, they always are boom or bust because the solution to low prices is high prices. The solution to high prices is, you know, is high prices. It's a big issue. You know, it's kind of red riding hood syndrome here. People making out the industry to be the big bad wolf. And on top of that, you know, you would get a nice increase in pay, as I'm sure most of us all know, when you move to oil field areas, you get a, a nice little bump in pay. After him and I having five margaritas over at the Cork and Pig, I called my boyfriend and I was like, hey, do you want to move to Texas? And he was like, yeah, when, when are we moving? <laughs> and honestly, we moved about a month after that. This oil and gas industry, I've met some of the best people I've ever met in my life doing this. Play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. Crude Life Morning Show, play hard, work hard. My name is Jason Spees, that is Sterling. It's now time for a little news, rumors, and news speak here on a Tuesday morning. So I had a story all lined up, but yeah. uh, you you know, coming back from the break here, I noticed you got a little bit of a bit. You want to, you're chewing on something, something irked you. Got an email. So, okay. You want to let us know? We've been declined, rejected by the Wyoming Game and Fish Department for our interview what? They didn't With like their our director. picture? Declined? Yeah, no reason why. So I'm used to getting rejected. What did they say? Just declined? Respectfully declining. Respect- so they don't have to give a reason. More government leaders going into hiding when they should be leading. And I nothing pisses me off more than when government... Listen, I've said this before. If you're a private company, you don't have to come on any media platform ever. If you're a government employee or you're a one of those tax-funded organizations, they actually got people that are paid to go meet with the media that's supposed to talk to the... This is the wildlife We, we didn't get Governor Abbott on, but yeah, at was, least his people sent us emails. I was going to say, you've had better communication with the governor. We've than, had the governor of Wyoming on for crying out loud, wow. but ooh, the game and fish is too important. Maybe you should email the governor's office. We have radio stations that carry our program in Wyoming, actually. We're not just a podcast. We right. actually have radio shows and affiliate. We co- From Casper, Wyoming East, we cover that area. Do you think that's why they decline? They don't think we're relevant? Without a doubt, with, to, absolutely, because we're not the Casper star. Oh man, it's they. The way the government works right now is they they only go to a certain people, and that's it. Mm-hmm. The, their safe space, the people who don't ask any hard questions. All we're going to find out is the relationship between the wildlife and 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 oil and gas. Mm-hmm. I actually thought it would be kind of a positive interview for the industry. Yeah, I mean, but. There you go. Your tax dollars in Wyoming. I got the governor on not even five days earlier talking about suing the president of the United States and the flipping game and fish guy can't even come on this show for five minutes. That's probably why, man, because of that lawsuit. Now that I think about it. Yeah, that's insane, though. I mean, like you said, I mean, don't they have people that are probably that's their job is PR, right? Their job is to talk to the media. They get paid. Right. They get paid a full time very good salary. Man, I wish I had that job someday. Oh, Jenica's going nuts. Well, you know, She's, like she is pulling her hair out over the people in North Dakota right now because I won't do it anymore. I'm and done. Nobody will talk. Uh, some, but uh-huh. the usual suspects won't. Hmm. Nope, they're just clamoring down. So I've got 
an circle idea. the wagons. No, I got an idea. All right, what are you going to do? We're going to debut it next week. Gonna bust this open? No, we're going to send someone to the press conference. Oh, cool. We'll send, yeah, well, if I got to get an intern, yeah. get what you pay for. Right. Get what you pay for. Yeah. And I ain't paying anything. No, get one of those guys that would stand on the side of the if road If I have signs. to pay tax dollars so they can ignore other media outlets that they haven't bought and paid for, mm-hmm. I'll get someone to go ask questions for free. Yeah, really. We want to be bought and paid for. <laughs> no, 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 you that's get capitalism, it. man. Come on. Well, that's that? outrageous, man. I'm Where's sorry. Where's that news sound? Oh, jeez. Well, now me I down. kind of feel bad you know, jumping into news. You know, it's uh... we have sponsors from Wyoming. I know. We talk a lot about Wyoming. I don't get it. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully you can address that. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm honestly, trying to look for something uh, happy well, to talk about. Uh, now. Honestly, the person who's who gets paid to talk to the media is now leaving the Wyoming Game and Fish open to speculation on news stories that we wanted to talk about with them. So what do most people do when they get denied or rejected? They assume the worst, don't they? Exactly. Right. So everything negative now Mm -hmm. that is a stereotype, I have to assume that's what the Wyoming Game and Fish wants. It's like when I was in fifth grade and I'd get rejected trying to take a girl to the dance. I just assumed it was for all the wrong reasons. It was, right, you because know, it was the you're worst ugly and fat yeah, and yeah, stupid yeah, and not I, funny. I, and and, I mean, I was all of those things. The opposite of what I, you are, you Adonis, you. Oh, they're so sweet. Okay. No, I get it, man. It's, it's, it's outrageous. And especially, it, we're talking about the wildlife department, right? It's, I mean, how threatened can they be? Probably the sage love. You know, you talked yesterday about how powerful the reptile lobby was down in Florida. Oh, man, it's huge. They won't allow the banning of snakes. Yeah. The damn sage-grouse lobby up here I think we is need, just as powerful. <laughs> I think we need to get the snake, the reptile lobbyists up here. We need to find some bizarre... You know, we talk about a shell company. Let's find some just made-up shrew, dirt-munching mole and get that protected. <laughs> I mean, that could be the greatest we'll shell company there is. We'll start an NPO. And we'll get federal funding to protect. Does anybody ever unicorns. investigate these wildlife people? How many unicorns have you seen? Not a lot, right? I think it's like a bald eagle. I think we need to protect them. Snipe oh, hunting? Snipe hunting. That was a great <laughs> Cheers episode. All right, let's go to news. All right, well, you know, you want to talk about uh, somebody uh, with social media that maybe should have been quiet instead of talking. Uh, this is coming out of uh, Texas. The CFO of Jerry Jones Gas Company on rising prices due to Texas freeze, quote, like hitting the jackpot. Did he he post that on social media? No, this was was during a uh, meeting. Roland Burns, CFO at Comstock Resources, reportedly bragged that the week has been like hitting the jackpot. Where where did he... Oh, sorry. Quote, this week is like hitting the jackpot with some of these incredible prices, Burns said. Frankly, we were able to sell at super premium prices for a material amount of production. So... uh, He's excited. Yeah. He is very, very excited. But, you know, you talk about... That's an instance where, uh, from a social media point of view, silence would have been better than saying anything. Oh, he posted on social media. This was... Is that right? This was apparently something that was being bragged about during a Zoom meeting. Okay, so they thought it was private. I'm not, it doesn't exactly say. Okay. Yeah. Um, this is another one of those cases where you've got... Well, this is where I'm wondering... Reportedly. Okay, well, this is where, okay, if it was like a Zoom meeting, for example, 
I, I would imagine most people when they go into a Zoom meeting, they don't expect it to be broadcast like the Super Bowl, right? You hope. Not. Okay. However, it can. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't think, we learned anything? I think every cre- keystroke I've ever done on the internet's recorded oh, in it, George man. Bush's basement. <laughs> That's a, I mean, let's just go. Sad place let's, for it to let's be. Let's go right to the original conspiracy <laughs> theory, right? It's okay. Basement. George Bush's grandpa oh, has man. the original computer, and it's with Geronimo's skull. You, <laughs> you know, know, I get it. They're making money. That's the job. That's cool. Absolutely. But yeah, you just, you just. There's definitely times where you have to be a little bit more sensitive to what might get out there. Oh right? no, they're out of touch. I get that. Well, no, and I mean, and, and that's that what's scary is that every Zoom meeting I have with my teacher or my kid's teacher to anybody else that we're doing it, you really have to be conscious of anything that See, might be misconstrued. I can't fault them for being excited for having an entrepreneurial project work. Yeah. Okay. Like, oh, just like the jackpot. Okay, I mean, honestly, I get it. But if he actually tweeted that. Yeah, that would like, be. Like, as yeah. a pu- Hey, here's me, CEO of the company. Here's my response to the crisis yeah. down in Texas. No, that's a little asshole heartless. But if it was just during a Zoom call that he thought were, you know, just between shareholders, investors, whatever. Absolutely. And then one of those people leaked it or... You know what I mean? That's different. Absolutely. And that's, and that's kind of what it seems like it is. And and you know what? Yeah, I think it's a totally stupid thing to say. That said, it's we all say stupid stuff. Could and- you imagine coming off of the year that everybody just had and then all of a sudden overnight all your bills got paid? Yeah. I'm not faulting anybody for getting no. excited. I don't well, care if you're a billionaire, a millionaire, or a four-year-old. You know, you talk about news that wasn't and money. <laughs> you know, this is one of those. This is one of those articles too, or stories where it, it, it seems like the whole purpose is to make people angry. Oh, that totally. That's exactly where I was that's coming all it, from. That's all it is. The whole Jerry Jones headlines I've been mm-hmm. seeing is to incite and riot people against the rich yeah. and against oil and gas. It's like a two banger, dude. They're slow moving targets. That's it's the like thing. a flea flicker. It's a flea flicker. It, it, Nice football Thank term. You. All right. Hey, hey, it's not even an audible. It's okay. a flea flicker. All so, right, all right, I'm ready to segue. Football. Let's go to the next. Yeah, that seemed like all a good right. place then. Yeah. Good night, Seattle. <laughs> one of our favorite players, I think mutually, Herschel Walker. Well, let's get to the, let's do that one last. You want to do that let's, one yeah, last? Yeah, let's okay. do that one last. Well, there is another one here uh, coming out of Texas that I found really interesting. Yeah, do the two industry ones first. Okay, so this one from the AP, why some Texans are getting sky high energy bills. Now, yesterday we were talking about, I think, Tina Smith from Minnesota starting an investigation about gas pricing mm-hmm. and gouging. This is a little more interesting because this has to do with something I'd never heard about called wholesale uh, pricing electricity prices. So wholesale electricity prices fluctuate based on demand. A lot of the people that were in Texas that uh, lost power and then regained it were on this system. And so that's why they said they saw these huge spikes. So um, they give an example, Susan Hosford of Denison, Texas, on a typical February day, she pays gritty. That's one of the uh, providers less than $2 and 50 cents for power. Gritty, gritty, but the one-day cost spiked to hundreds of dollars after the storm. In all, she was automatically charged over $1,300 for the first two weeks of February, which, of course, was more than she had in her account, causing her bank to charge her overdraft fees. And then, of course, you, know, you get that spiral effect. All your other bills get hit at that time, too. So wholesale prices are usually as low as a couple of cents per kilowatt hour. So she was typically getting a much more reduced rate than you or I would. But during this type of thing, fixed rate customers 
didn't get penalized because they're paying that fixed rate. So what's interesting to me is that you're looking at a situation where, yeah, I mean, if you got a $2,000 power bill, that might wipe out your bank account all of a sudden. It mm-hmm. would definitely hurt me. On the other hand, do we bail these people out who were paying? They, you know, they went into it sort of with eyes open. They knew that prices could get higher. Maybe there needs to be some sort of cutoff where it can never be, you know, a certain amount because there's a storm or something. This is like different that. though because this is a, a system that failed. Okay, this yeah. was a this was a system that's been subsidized for decades. Okay, every which way but loose. Okay, <laughs> when you take a look at most. Cities, they have a monopoly with their energy company, okay? Yeah. And in some cases, that's why these, these EGOTs and ERGOTs and, Ergot. and, and the Western one and the Eastern one exist yeah. is be, to kind of keep these monopolies in check. Well, and in fact, Texas apparently is one of the few states that actually lets people pick which company it buys power from. That's why they're able to get wholesale pricing and gritty was launched in 2017. It charges $10 a month to give people a way to pay their prices, warning them about, you know, the fluctuations. So they're going to confuse people so much. Well, it seems to me like the, you know, the ERGOT, all of that was born out of a desire for Texas to be able to have their own independence when it came to electrical distribution, Mm -hmm. power Mm -hmm. distribution, and not be tied into the East grid, you know, that kind of stuff. So this is another example of giving people choice, giving people independence and freedom. We do it in North Dakota with yeah, bank. but we have know, a state I mean, bank. Texas That's, just doesn't. I think the last time they had weather like this was late 1880s. I know, but the way I'm looking at this is what, what Texas is doing is no different than what North Dakota does with the state mill and the bank and everything else. Yeah. It's, it's a way for them to be as independent as a state as possible and also sell it. Yeah. Sell it to other places, and and that's what they were doing. To where in Moorhead, Minnesota, they had rolling blackouts because of the Texas grid. I mean, now I wonder if they were part of a wholesale. You know, if they if they're part of that or not. I mean, well, I've always paid my electrical bill as a utility that I, I don't even look at who the company is. It just it comes in, you pay it, right? That's I've how I've on, always looked. I've at been it. on automatic withdrawal for so many years. I don't even <laughs> I don't even know what's going on. Your accounts or somebody else. I just get happy that I make, you know, that I'm making more than what goes out again. Yeah. Cuz there was a few years where it wasn't going that it's, way. It's a it's a month to month type of thing. Oof, boy, that's something you else. You know, this but, is one of those situations where 99% of the time you're going to pay a better rate for your electrical and occasionally you're going to get some spikes during storms. These these stories that you're reading right there. Mm-hmm. Those tying back to social media, those are the ones that give people the authority to go be an expert on the grid now, on mm-hmm. social media, in one paragraph. Well, it's because Gritty told them. Yeah. I, you know, this is like, uh, I don't know, any of the other things that were really big during the pandemic, Netflix shows or anything like that. All of a sudden, everybody's an expert. Nobody had heard about it. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, everybody's an expert. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's, and, it's a very yeah. dangerous time. Yeah. Honestly, if you're going to call Bill Gates, why not call Magic Johnson? Why not call The Rock? Why not call somebody interesting? I mean, it's you're going to get just as relevant, if not more. Whatever happened to the Tyson McGrasson, whatever? Tyson. Uh, <laughs> the, you know, the physicist guy. Yeah. Not Bill Nye. Oh, yeah, yeah, not yeah. Not Stephen Hawking, uh, Degrassi, the other one. Yeah, I think, yeah, Tyson DeGrasse. Yeah. Neil DeGrasse. Neil DeGrasse. Who's Tyson DeGrasse? I don't know. Wasn't it right, sounds like a real person, though. Right we just made someone up. Boom. All right, last story. But somebody story. like that. I mean, <laughs> Bill Nye. Where's Bill Nye, you know? Okay. Oh, he's out there, man. He's got a YouTube channel. Come on. All right, so this is kind of uh, football-related. Herschel Walker, like I mentioned, right? University of Georgia. Yeah. 
So this comes from Yahoo News. This is uh, Herschel Walker talking about uh, slavery reparations. With Herschel Walker? With Herschel Walker. Yeah. What, what, he's getting political? Formal NFL player Herschel Walker on Wednesday said black Americans should not receive reparations for slavery. A virtual congressional hearing on the issue was held for House Resolution 40, sponsored by Republican Rep. Sheila Jackson Lee of Texas, which would create a commission to study reparation proposals. Walker, standout athlete at the University of Georgia who won the Heisman in 82 before launching a long professional football career, questioned the logistical feasibility of reparations and dismissed the idea itself as divisive. He said... Interesting. Yeah, this is an interesting quote. He said, we use black power to create white guilt, he said early in his opening statement. My approach is biblical. How can I ask my heavenly father to forgive me if I can't forgive my brother? He added, reparations teach separation. Slavery ended over 130 years ago. How can a father ask his son to spend prison time for a crime he committed? Interesting. Yeah. Herschel Walker. Well, you know, I mean, this is like one of those subjects. I don't feel like I want to even get 10 feet close to I know. To him, it's like, know? I, can we I, even be talking about this? I can have an opinion, but I don't feel like I, I can have a voice. I can. You know? But what he... What he says is interesting because talking about the logistics uh, of how to even do something. I like that like he just that. brought in the Bible and said, listen, this is not even a race thing. This is just a human thing. Well, one more thing from yeah. him, just real quick. He said, reparations, where does the money come from? He asked the House Judiciary Committee. Does it all come from all the other races except black taxpayers? Who is black? What percentage of black must you be to receive reparations? Do you go to 23andMe or a DNA test to determine your percentage of blackness? So he just, he says, I feel like it continues to let us know we're still African-American rather than just American. I like he's having the conversation. Well, absolutely. I do because, you know, I've had this talk with some African-American friends of mine or black friends, if you will. It depends on what company. When I was growing up, it was black. And so... What we've talked about is just having the discussion that it would be nice if there could just be a real honest discussion about how when they did the Homestead Act, for example, because this is kind of what they're, from my understanding, there's a lot of origination here to where when the Homestead Act came out and the Fairness Act, uh, when they gave loans for property, African-Americans were not allowed to have the Homestead Act or the Fairness. They were shut out. They were shut out of those. Yeah. Okay, now that's a legitimate conversation now, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah. Because, as you know, when you own land, you immediately have a leg up on everybody. Yeah, usually. Immediately, yeah. not only from the collateral standpoint, but from the peace of mind standpoint, that worst case, if you're an entrepreneur... Worst case scenario, I can live in a tent for a week while I rebound. I can shut light. I mean, seriously, right. I can shut the bills off. There's a off. security that you comes from, from ownership of land. There's an yeah. ultimate safety net. Yeah. And America's that, always been about that. So if you've never had that safety net, I, 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 don't even, I couldn't even imagine what that would be like as a culture. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, that, that's where I cannot go any further yeah. with my talk. But I would love to see an actual legitimate just historical conversation without judgment on either side. It sounds like that's what the, this commission is attempting to do is to address bet, how you would even do that. I bet your buddy Bill Gates and Elon Musk 
would start donating property. He's got the most land in in, in the world, right? That's he's, I he's, think he's so. the biggest. Largest he's got one acre in New Mexico and <laughs> a million acres in Wisconsin. Maybe you he'll know, start giving some of that land. I think when it when it comes down to it, what you're really asking is how do we atone for things that we did wrong or regret as That's, a people, as a individual, yeah. and if money. I mean, if somebody was going to offer me $300,000 because something that happened to my, uh, you know, descendants or whatever, I would probably be like, yeah, sure, because I could use money. But does that fix the problem? When you started mentioning the DNA, mm-hmm. right away I went to Native Americans College. Right. That's the first thing I went to. Like, so is, was that how we tried to atone for what we did as a white race to the Native Americans by saying, well, we'll give you an opportunity to go to college. Yeah. Was that our atonement? Was but will you have to cut off your hair and lose your... Of a white man's education? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is it's like, I love this country. Absolutely. And one of the things that makes this country awesome is that we make mistakes and learn from them and we get better. Right, right. And that's, that's how this country has been kicking ass for 270 some years. To me, that's capitalism. Well, yeah. I mean, in capitalism, you can call it whatever it is, but it's that spirit. It's yeah. that spirit of, I want to come up with something and I want to make it happen. I want to make it a reality, right? And so I would be like, well, you know what? Maybe if, if we want to put a dollar value on this, let's educate. You know, Let's put it towards education. By the way, Herschel Walker, there is a Wikipedia page is there herschel walker trade oh my oh yeah, i mean that's geez, how legendary yeah. it was okay so, that was one of those nfl hour-long documentaries the nfl networks here's yeah. who the cowboys got the cowboys got linebacker jesse solomon linebacker david howard quarterback isaac holt defensive end alex stewart minnesota's first round pick in 1990 second round pick in 1996 round pick in 1990 First round pick in 1991. Second round pick in 1991. First round pick in 1992. Second round pick in 1992. And the third round pick in 1992. Man, I I would love to have been a fly on the wall in the Minnesota room because they thought that was a good deal. And part of that deal sent Darren Nelson to the Chargers. Yeah. Now, the most of the guys that that uh, they got out of that didn't do anything. Nobody did anything. Nobody did anything. Cowboys. But they got well. No, but I mean the Cowboys, the players they got, I think, were pretty much gone. <laughs> God, Those picks, though, here's, man. Here's who the Cowboys got. Ready? Yeah. The next year, uh, they did some stuff with the Steelers and went up, and then they got Emmett Smith. Boom. Next year after that, let's see. They got Russell Maryland, one of the greatest defensive tackles. Yeah. Uh, then they got, they used this next one to acquire Alonzo Highsmith as part of a trade. Uh, I don't and then him. the following year, they got Kevin Smith and Darren Woodson and then Clayton Holmes as well. My goodness. God, so they Woodson's got Troy Aikman the year for a while. Before. Wow. Man. Yeah. And then of course, Walker, I mean, was essentially busted goods at that point. He did terrible. Yeah. He had one good run where Shoof came off. Yeah. And it was like a 90-yard run, and everybody was doing high fives at the bar. We won the Super Bowl. No, Vikings that was it, curse man. ensues. That was it. The Bills don't have a curse. The Vikings have a curse. <laughs> Although the Bills made it the Super Bowl this year. No, they didn't. No, but they got close. They got close. They got close. Yeah. Shows you how closely I watched the Super Bowl this year. 
Yeah, exactly. What a downer. There that was, was a super. Yeah. <laughs> well, folks, that's going to do it. We're going to hand it off to Natural Gas now. Let's see, Tom Shipstone. We're going to talk a little bit about the natural gas grid, some of the things happening as well with New York. You know, why don't they call that guy instead of Bill Gates? That, Honestly, that's why we're doing it. Okay, this thank guy, you. This guy, he's got a right? publication called Natural Gas Now. He talks to all kinds of people from all over. And I've heard him. This guy knows his numbers. Oh, this know- guy knows logistics. He's he's, scary, he's, just, he's not a billionaire. That's why yeah. he hasn't he hasn't created the Microsoft oh, Office ninety five. <laughs> I don't think Windows ninety five. <laughs> <laughs> True dad. Snow's falling, starting to blow. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecoodlife.com. The music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. The Crude Life, play hard, work hard, is sponsored in part by... If you have natural gas leases and are looking to sell them, Swan Energy wants to talk to you today. Give them a call at 866-539-0860. That's 866-539-0860. Swan Energy is buying up natural gas leases, and they may buy yours too. Give them a call today. Industrial forest. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Play hard, work hard. Time now to work hard on the Swan Energy phone lines. This is Tom Shepstone from naturalgasnow.org, which is uh, published by Shepstone Management Company, my planning and uh, research consulting Thank you for being patient with me as we only went through four or five rounds to try to get the static out of the microphone. And, whoo, boy, thank you, Mr. Tom Shepstone, Natural Gas Now, for joining us here. And we wanted to bring you in today to talk a little bit about natural gas because it's very interesting what's going on in the, uh, main, the traditional media, the mainstream media, I guess, is still what they're called, but... The, there's a lot of uh, natural gas framing going on. I, I don't think the Dallas Cowboys are going to be able to sign a free agent for the next 10 years without <laughs> some sort of headline guilt now with uh, Jerry Jones. <laughs> you know, have you seen those headlines about Jerry oh, Jones? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's interesting about a lot of the framework that's going on. And 
uh, the finger pointing that's coming out of this Texas storm. Uh, I thought we'd bring you in a little bit because you're very familiar with the grid, you know, especially with, uh, is it PMJ down the road from you? What's the name of that big grid operator? It's, uh, P- PGM. PGM, sorry. And so you, you've got a lot of that. Cabot Oil, of course, second largest, fourth largest uh, natural gas company in the United States. So let's talk a little bit about what you saw when it came to the Texas grid. And in terms of natural gas, I saw anywhere from 60%, 70% that natural gas had to kick in in order to uh, basically take care of a lot of emergency services down in Texas. What are you seeing coming out of there? Yeah, exactly. I think that's a that's a, actually a very good number. Uh, there was some analysis that was done uh, by the Energy Information uh, Administration, uh, or some of their data, I should say, by Alex Epstein and some others, who and they put together a really interesting graph that, that kind of graphs things out for the week or ten days that were that this whole thing went on, and you could see how the the, the amount of electricity provided by natural gas just ballooned uh, tremendously as the amount by uh, generated by wind uh, necessarily declined to, to, to barely uh, barely perceptible and uh, we know why because the uh, you know the wind the wind turbines froze there was to be fair some freezing of natural gas infrastructure too uh, because you know in Texas they're just not prepared on any level for this kind of uh, cold that they had. But the the bottom line is that the natural gas was able to recover much quicker. Uh, and when you look at that graph, it, it's really startling. I mean, it just, it just, you can't argue with it. And I think it reflects uh, two things. One is natural gas saved the day, which is what you said. And number two, it reflects the problem when you over-rely upon any renewable form of energy, because it's never dispatchable. You can't, you can't increase the amount of wind energy that you need at a given moment, or solar for that matter. Um, you can a little bit with hydro, because, uh, you know, hydro generally is under, you know, utilized, and you can, you know, uh, push more water through the system, let's say. But the, but if we just look at the big, the big two, wind and solar, that everybody wants to talk about, you cannot just suddenly turn it up and turn the dial, or turn the thermostat up and say, give me more. Uh, it doesn't work that way. You, you get what you get. And with natural gas, or for that matter, with coal or for nu- with nuclear energy, uh, uh, all three of those, you can literally just feed more of the product into the system and turn it up and say, you know, uh, give me a level 10, you know. <laughs> that kind of a thing in terms of capacity. So you always have the ability to turn the dial up uh, to a certain level, at least, with those uh, types of, of uh, resources. And that's what's called dispatchability. If you can't dispatch it uh, at a moment's notice, um, then it isn't really worth much in the long term because the you've got to be able to dispatch it. Texas proved that. Uh, wind and solar is non-dispatchable, and the only way they're ever going to make it dispatchable is by developing uh, battery storage, which, of course, they're making some progress on here and there. But the amount of storage that would be required is astronomical, and it's not going to happen. And, and then the economics of it are not there, and the and the difficulty of, of getting the rare earth minerals and everything else you need to make that work uh, on any kind of a... 
region-wide or statewide or nationwide or global scale is just not there. I mean, it's, it's, so this is what we're learning. The politicians are running around, you know, uh, throwing uh, arrows at each other. Uh, I love it how Chuck Schumer, the obnoxious senator from New York uh, City, is uh, lecturing Texas about how they should should have had more wind and solar. Oh, come on. I actually that that that's one of the part I wanted to ask you about. I, I was going to yeah. lead in with a different way, but it's it's a horse apiece on this question, which is to me. I'm looking at this graph right now. By the way, the uh, in, is it the? Hang on here. Let me pull it up. Oh, folks, hang on, hang on. The uh, U.S. Energy Information Administration, the EIA. Okay, this yep. is. I think this might have been what you were talking about. That. Uh, Texas region daily generation mix on 2 17 20, 21 central time. It was right. 67% natural gas, 16% coal, 8% nuclear, 2% solar, and 6% wind. So when I, when I take a look at those numbers, that, that was shocking to me, by the way. Absolutely yeah. shocking, because the first numbers I saw was, like, coal was leading everything with 40%, like the initial numbers I saw and all these other things. Mm-hmm. And so, two-part two question here. Same question, but two parts to it. Number one is, I think if I were to put my journalist hat on, and by the way, folks, I have won awards in both the newspaper and the radio industry for, for news, so I do know what I'm talking about here. If, <laughs> if I'm going to put my journalism hat on, the story is that natural gas saved the day. Okay? Yeah, absolutely. That, that, that's the story. N- number two, you mentioned Chuck Schumer. Well, I've been, I've been going off about Bill Gates. Like, why is, what, what media outlet actually believes Bill Gates has something of relevancy to say during a Texas crisis about the grid. Why is Bill Gates, or Chuck Schumer for that matter, why, why are media outlets allowing outside voices to finger point, shame, nitpick, when there's an actual legitimate crisis going on, there's still people without water. I just read a, a thing today where now Texas isn't even the number one state with blackouts. Now it's Mississippi, Alabama, and some of the some of the neighboring states are having issues now. So anyway, uh, lo- long question just to ask. At what point does the media got to have some responsibility, and why is uh, the fossil fuels just getting hammered through this when they seem to be the one that saved the day here? Well, because of the political correctness. I mean, uh, you know, and your, your question about, you know, when is the media going to be responsible? The answer is never. Huh. You know, That's true. Yellow that, journalism has been around since Hearst and everybody yeah, else. Yeah, it's, it's never going to be responsible. It, it's, and it's, it's very bad right now. I don't know if it you know, might get a little better. I mean, but I think the, uh, what we see with the, with the press today is it, it's wholly in the pocket of, of uh, political uh, correctness. Uh, you know, uh, uh, you can argue that it's wholly in the pocket of the Democrat Party, wholly in the pocket of the of the green energy movement, whatever. But the the bottom line is, it's 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 dedicated to political correctness. It's not dedicated to truth or searching it out. It's you know, it's it's aligned with certain factions, with certain opinions and certain ideologies, and that's what it promotes. Now, maybe you know, if you go back to Benjamin Franklin's day when he used to produce a little. Uh, uh, handout, you know, that kind of a thing, a newsletter, whatever we call it, um, and poor Richard's almanac and all that, the, you know, he was also political, you know, so, you know, and, 
and you. Uh, so Very. I'm not sure that the press is the press is ever going to be uh, responsible. The only way you're going to get responsibility is probably after the fact and by searching out uh, other ways to communicate. And I think that's what you're seeing in the country. I don't want to get too far afield here, but I think you're seeing with uh, with uh, different websites, with uh, other ways of communicating. Uh, People are starting to communicate in uh, other ways, and uh, I again, I don't want to get too philosophical on you, but I'm a big admirer of uh, Solzhenitsyn, who, of course, pioneered the whole idea of uh, Samizdat, which is, you know, uh, essentially uh, secret <laughs> secret publications. You know, and that's kind of what's happening in the U.S. I think, and that's what that's the only way you're going to get the truth out about what's happening in Texas. I'd like to think of my little blog, naturalgasnow.org, as a little bit of Sam's thought in that regard. So um, That's funny you brought up old poor Richard's almanac, but, you know, the one thing that I've always said about some of the traditional media, you know, Hearst is, Hearst is probably one of the, William Hearst uh, of the Hearst uh, Publishing, right. he's, he's probably one of the greatest examples of yellow journalism and using his publications to build his timber empire and DuPont and everybody else that he's he's helped out through the years and that's that's and that is so well documented you would have thought we would have learned a few things and not figured out ways to use those into angles we would have learned it to help society but hey that's a different story for a different day but um, my point is though is that with Franklin at least you knew it was a political cartoon at least you knew it was an opinion, an op-ed yeah, section. Right. He had letters to the editor that he would use under pen names, and and yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and I get that you got to prime the pump and whatever you want to call it, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, today, today's day and age, though, you would you would think though that there would be enough journalists out there just to, or I guess, support for journalism. I honestly think that. We are living in a day and age where journalism is going to change, and I, I don't want to get too far off base either a little bit, but this is part of the problem. This is part of the problem. And when you take a look at a lot of the big newspapers, it's no secret that since the Internet came around uh, 15, 20, 30 years ago, uh, the newspapers have been struggling. They've had a monopoly for 100 years, and 10, 20 years, they're going bankrupt. That's a paradigm shift, okay? So they're they're trying to figure out how to make things work, and how do you make things work in the newspaper industry? Well, you can either have a bunch of advertisers or you can have subscribers. And they went the advertiser route. And when they went the advertiser route, the subscribers started dropping. And so I think there's a big opening right now for real journalism with subscribers. And I think you're, go ahead. I think you're absolutely right, Jason. I think yeah. you're absolutely right. I, you know, and I have a, a great friend who's, uh, who we uh, you know, go back and forth jabbing each other, you know, but that kind of a friend. And uh, uh, he's an excellent reporter and writer and uh, writes for, uh, actually writes for auto magazines these days, but he used to you know, write for a newspaper. And he's been saying for the last 10 years, he says, you know, the time is the time is just about there where we can launch a new newspaper, you know, <laughs> and, and do it differently. You know? Well, and and, uh, I agree. In fact, I think that there's the time is now where uh, the old traditional subscriber route without any without any advertisers you know you might get a couple but you don't rely on them and when you don't rely on them it's really it's 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 a nice feeling when you can turn away money i don't know what that's like but you know uh i'm sure it would be just because it wouldn't you know match up with whatever your newspaper's ideology are the other 
The, the other way is, is a video I saw about 15 years ago, and it had to do with the evolution of the media. And it started with Gutenberg, okay, the printing press. And it actually, it might even start with hieroglyphics now that I'm thinking about it. But it went into the future, and it went about how eventually we had to get rid of copyright laws. And, and it just it went about 10, 20, 30, 100 years in the future. I can't remember exactly how far. But I'll never forget because... It said the New York Times goes offline and only do- goes to a print publication and will charge $20,000 a year and be subscriber-based only. And I thought, genius. You're, you're the newspaper of record, and you only cater to the elite. So I, I think that would be another newspaper that would work pretty well. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. I agree with you. Yeah, charge 50000 bucks a year, and you only have that information. Yeah. There'll be people who pay for it. So there's, you know, that, but my point... Point is though, I do believe that the media is changing a little bit. And what bothers me about you know Chuck Schumer coming out and, and backseat driving and Bill Gates backseat driving from Washington is that that gives the social media armies, the social shamers, kind of a source to cite. You know, they, they say, well, Chuck Schumer says, well, Bill Gates says, and then that kind of just turns the noise right. up ten times, you know. So well, Bill Gates is a he is quoted on subjects all the time about which he obviously knows nothing. And uh, and I think he's quoted because they assume he's one of the world's smartest people. Well, no, he's one of the world's richest people, you know, so it uh, doesn't necessarily make him, he may be very smart, but he's not the smartest person. And the uh, I love the quote from, uh, I think it was uh, from one of our famous economists who uh, said, uh, you know, uh, intelligence is the most overrated uh, factor by the intelligent. You know, huh. and and it's true. You know, the uh, because no person, no matter how bright, has the ability to make as intelligent decisions as um, you know a hundred people off the street. A hundred people off the street are always going to be smarter than one very smart person. Um, and that's because you're going to get a variety of experiences with that hundred people off the street. You know, Bill Beckley said that years ago. I forget that you see the numbers all the time. He said, "Would you rather have your suppose you were you were before a court and you had a ser- you were accused of a serious crime? Would you want to be judged by the smartest person uh, at Harvard, or would you want to be would you want to rather be judged by a hundred people out of the Boston phone book?" And the answer is hundred people out of the Boston phone book. You know, so um, that's what we're dealing with here. Uh, and I, I think there there are opportunities uh, opening up. We see that with the Epic Times is a is a new piece of journalism that seems to be doing reasonably well, um, and they're doing a combination of print and and video and things like that. So uh, uh, it's it, it's a new world, and you know people have to adapt. And I think there is a market out there for that. So there's your opportunity, Jason. We are actually looking at uh, relaunching Bakken.com as a regular news site. Um, there's a gentleman that's approached me. He's, uh, his, his family is media, and he's kind of disgusted at some of the current situations. So I've been kind of consulting with him on the side a little bit, too. Because, honestly, you, you go outside of North Dakota, most people don't even know what Bakken is. And that, I, I said, you know, you don't. I, I understand it's a shale play, I said, but the average person... They'll just look at it as Nike or Pepsi, just a made-up word, and that's all. And he wanted to get into a little bit more of the journalism side of things, especially he's he's very interested in the banking side with the uh, 
the way the stimulus money and the PPP money has been doled out going through the banks, because what happens when it goes through the banks on the back end, it increases their uh, equity, increases their um, net worth, so to speak, because they turn around the... Well, they turn around and lend the money out. Whether it's a grant or not, it's still on the books as a loan. And once it's on the books as a loan, well, that yeah. that goes to your sheets. You know, it's very favorable. So, yeah, that's, that's very interesting. yeah, it's a whole angle nobody's ever talked about before. You know, and it's probably yeah. probably one that'll get you shut down pretty quick. I guess who knows? <laughs> They're pretty powerful those bankers. Um, I was looking at your website, Natural Gas Now. Gas industry has a great story to retell, and it must be retold often. What is that all about? Well, the, the point of that story is that, you know, we get so caught up in the issues of the moment, you know, like Texas, for example. You know, uh, Texas has been on everybody's mind the last uh, seven to ten days, and uh, tremendous interest on my, on my website about the whole Texas situation. We've had numerous posts up about it, and they've all been very well read from a standpoint of our numbers and um, what we're what we're saying is that we're tending to forget the basic message that natural gas has been just a, a total winner on several fronts you know environmentally we have uh, helped reduce emissions I'm not a guy who really is worried about global warming but if somebody's concerned about co2 carbon emissions and all that uh, natural gas, has been the thing that's accomplished more than anything else in that regard. And it's also uh, very positive environmentally from the standpoint of if, if you're a landowner, there's almost nothing you can do with your property that will generate so much return for so little disturbance of your property, so little use of your property, than natural gas development. It is, or for that matter, uh, uh, shale oil development which uh, is what you're doing out there. So the, it, it is a tremendous uh, open space preserver because it gives people who own land a way to pay their taxes and to derive an income from that land without, without uh, using an awful lot of it. So it's environmentally very good in that respect as well. And, of course, it burns clean. And as a result, when you make electricity with it, you uh, generate you know, hugely less uh, sulfur dioxide, for example, which is, you know, a big cause of asthma and things like that. So I'm familiar with a a little power plant over in uh, Luzerne County, which is near about an hour from us. About 10 years ago, they converted that to natural gas, doubled the size of its capacity, converted it to natural gas. It was coal and uh, reduced the sulfur dioxide emissions by 99%. Well, you know, that's a huge win. And we don't talk about that enough. And we we tend to forget that the whole water quality thing has been, nobody talks much about the water quality issue anymore. Just the real hysterics. Uh, over here in, in Pennsylvania, we have two river basin commissions, the Delaware and the Susquehanna. They're governed by the same governing majority of states. And uh, in the Susquehanna, we're allowed to, uh, to drill for gas. In the DRBC, Delaware, not so much. So... What have we had happen in the Susquehanna? We've got now 11, 12 years, well, 13, 14 now, I guess, six years experience with fracking in the Susquehanna River Basin. And we have that River Basin Commission literally saying there's no discernible impact on stream water quality from fracking. Well, there you go. I mean, we're, we've got a, a major energy generator that is not 
harming our stream. So the water quality issue is long behind us, really. And um, you look at all this stuff, and then you look at the employment, the, the fact that natural gas has been a huge economic winner for rural areas. Uh, it is, you know, Susquehanna County has literally had an infusion of billions of dollars uh, of money. So all that stuff adds up. It is, it is economically and environmentally a, a tremendous winner across the board. Uh, can you nitpick at it? Of course you can. But uh, uh, natural gas, when you add it all up, it is such a big net positive uh, for our, uh, any region that has it. And I believe the same is true of shale oil as well. It's a net positive. I'm sure you've seen it out in western North Dakota that uh, you've seen some you know, revival of some rural areas and some, uh, some real needed uh, economic change. And I remember, um, you know, 15 years ago, I used to uh, talk about the fact that uh, Pennsylvania and New York were growing uh, only uh, slightly faster than North Dakota, which was the least growing, the slowest growing state in the Union. Well, that's no longer the case, you know, so... And it's because of shale oil, you know. Uh, so uh, that, that's the story we're not telling because we're too focused on fighting the enemy. You know, we keep fighting the fractivists. We keep responding to their every attack. And, uh, and I enjoy doing that. But we've got to tell the positive story because it's a tremendous story to tell. I do think stories are the way to reach people now. Um, it's right. obvious after... What I've witnessed for ten years, fat, they don't care about facts. They don't. I mean, no. they don't care about science. Nothing. No. It's it's feel good. It's attitude over information. Yep. It's it's stories over over hypothesis and theses. And it's it's really interesting because you know when I look at natural gas, for example, uh, four hydrocarbons, pretty good. Pretty good. We're down to four. I mean, we were at a lot more back when we used to burn hay and wood and coal right. and even crude oil. And, you know, for a while there, they almost extinct the whales, you know. So, I right. mean, how green is that? But when I take a look at the natural gas, I really just don't understand why this crash course to get whatever type of energy source they're trying to produce, because I haven't even seen a net positive on like wind or solar when it when when you boil it down with the rare earth minerals and the mining and and the transportation and the manufacturing if that's even a net positive versus natural gas because last time i checked if you go out to wyoming or western uh colorado that stuff's just coming out of the ground so it's just it's it's just in in your parts of pennsylvania the same thing you know i mean you stick a shovel in the ground and it might be so shallow some gas might come up so yeah. is a pretty clean energy and it's pretty reliable. And what we saw in Texas is it can be life-saving too. So I just, I'm, I'm curious what your opinion is on why it gets demonized so much. Is it just because it's part of the fossil fuel family or what? Well, I think, yes, I think so. But it's also because people see, um, they see that the potential it has and they're jealous of it, I think. Um, you know, I've talked about this before, that in, in the, the natural gas industry is filled with people who just want to get a job done. You know, it's, yeah. it's, blue, it's very blue-collar for the most part. Uh, it's down-to-earth, and uh, 
the elitists in our society are not comfortable with that. They don't like that um, because they're not very good at practical things, you know, and a lot of them aren't anyway. And so they're they're very jealous of it. And and I think there's also that's one segment of the the guilt ridden trust funder segment, you might say. The the other segment is the uh, the folks who are looking to make a fortune off government rent. I mean, the, the, this is what green energy is. It's basically a, I call it green eggs and scam, which is um, th- there's just trillions of dollars to be made by governments subsidizing this stuff. And we're seeing the hedge fund types, you know, those those sorts of elites. Uh, that camp is, uh, they're, they're funding they're funding opposition to fossil fuels and natural gas development because they w- they want the gravy train of green eggs and scam to continue. So, I guess that that's a mixed metaphor, but I think you got it. Yeah, no, I got it. I I, <laughs> I understand where you're coming from there. So, well, sir, uh, what should people walk away from this knowing as far as the Texas grid, natural gas, etc. As we kind of conclude here, what what do you want people to take away from this? Well, I think based on the interest in the articles that, that I put up about this, uh, seven or eight of them, I think, uh, the level of interest in this tells me that the ordinary American appreciates that this whole global warming uh, is going to uh, destroy the earth and we're going to die tomorrow thing is just not real, and that what happened in Texas is real, and that we need to be we need to be taking a lot closer look at what makes sense and what doesn't make sense. I, I think I think the average person really gets that, and so that gives me some hope, you know, to uh, that we can uh, we can prevail at the end of the day on some of this stuff. But um, it's a tough it's a tough road because of the things that we just talked about. Naturalgasnow.org is the website. Right. Of course, you can go and support it. He's got an actual. Oh, 99 cents a month to keep it going. Look at you. You're going off of the subscribers, too. Good for you, man. Yeah, we're doing subscribers. We thought about doing that, doing both the individual subscriber and the business subscriber, because, you know, that's that's the way you got to adapt in today's world. What do they say that prevention favors the elite and adaption favors the average? There you go. Because the average know how to adapt and the elite don't. That's why they always are trying to prevent. They're trying to prevent, 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 because they don't want their lifestyle to change. Whereas the average person, they're so used to rolling with the flow, they don't care. They can adapt to about anything. That's a great great note to end on here. Well, sir, thank you much. We'll talk down the road, okay? I love talking to you, Jason. Have a great day. Thank you. Exclusive interview industry news, environmental innovation at thecrudelife.com. Music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band.
with Jason Spies. Thank you for joining the program today. You know, I, I come from an oil background. My family's been in the oil and gas industry for 60 years. I, I think the thing with the younger generation is the younger generation has pretty much bought into the climate change phenomenon. They really believe everything that people tell them. We just want to thank everybody that has been so supportive of us and especially you, Jason. Without without your help, I don't think our event would be as successful as it is. So I, I don't want to be real critical of them because being a guy who's, you know, dad has several small businesses and, and coming from that sort of small business background, I get it. I mean, the, the, the operators here were put in a real bad position by the state of North Dakota. I'm glad that we've got people like you to pay attention and bring us information on stuff like this. Prices can't go any lower for services. I, I, they're, they're too low right now. I, our margins are in the single percentage point if we're lucky, and we're not lucky that often. You're exactly right. ESG is becoming more and more important to shareholders. I can speak for my 20 companies. They take it very serious. It makes perfect sense, and I thought you had a really good show last week. Jason, I love your inquisitive questions because you you ask important questions that that lead to the most important truths. Hey, this is Kevin Kramer representing proudly the state of North Dakota in the United States Senate. Talking to Jason Spies, who's like the best energy interviewer in the world. No one does an interview like Jason Spies. We all like living the crude life, so... <laughs> The Crude Life with host Jason Spies. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On today's episode, we talk with Colorado State Senator Ray Scott. This is Colorado State Senator Ray Scott. Even though President Trump was doing a great job of making us energy independent, you know, we still had problems within certain states, and Colorado was one of those states. And yes, I believe in sovereignty of the states and the Tenth Amendment and all those things. But the overreach, in our case, on federal lands was still in place for the almost the entire four years of President Trump's term. And we tried different things to try to get that pressure off of our federal lands so that we could do more energy production. Uh, but as you know, there's kind of a glut of natural gas worldwide, and there were some other issues with the cost of doing that. But the overreaching problem we have now is now we have a president that is very, very clear that he is anti-fossil fuel. You know, he didn't, you know, he obviously wouldn't say that during the the campaign, but right at the end, he finally let it slip that, you know, he was going to eliminate fossil fuel. So that's the path we're on. And then to have somebody like John Kerry, who, you know, obviously is a political hack, we know that. Yes, he will have impacts on all types of, of, of production and energy and all the things we we're, we're worried about. But I think you also know this too, and I'm sure Senator Kramer would agree that it's not so much sometimes the president that's that's running the show. It's all the different agencies that he puts puts his people into. So people in the EPA, people in natural resources, those folks will be the ones that, that you know help keep the president's fingers clean, and they will go out and they will institute some very erroneous. Uh, restrictions on what we can and we can't do nationwide. And we've seen that here in Colorado. Governor Polis has been very crafty at how he's done this. But he's from the Obama administration. Basically, that's when he served in Congress. And he learned very well that you have your agencies do the dirty work. And then you can stand back and say, well, my fingerprints are on it. And I, and I think that's where we're at now. Unfortunately, to your point about the governor's filing lawsuits, that's exactly what's going to have to take place. To listen to the full-length interview with Colorado State Senator Ray Scott or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. While you're there, be sure to join our ever-growing army of energy enthusiasts by joining our social media pages. 
click on the social media tab for our YouTubes, our LinkedIn's, our Tweeters, Twitters, you name it. We have it right there at thecrudelife.com. From the staff here at the Crude Life Daily Update, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to always remember, energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. The music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com.